Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. What an inspired performance by the Boston Celtics last night. Oh, my <laughs> God, that was atrocious. It is Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. And on the ESPN app, for the record, I almost said good morning, Christopher Missoula Canty. Please. not going to pin that on you. Please don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. I don't need that this morning. The oh. definition of ineptitude. Oh, my God. But I, I guess would... nobody has ever accused you of being sarcastic. Huh? No, not at all. Oh, okay. <laughs> Never. Let's get to it. Here we go. Only one place to start. The beard with eight to shoot off a high screen by Joel. He bounces to a B to B with another 15-footer. This time it's on the money. The Sixers are going to win this game here in Boston. We, we still got to, you know, got to get one more win. That's all I'm thinking about right now. And I don't think that's going to be a problem, to tell you the truth. i tell you what, Canty. The Boston Celtics were never in the game last night. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't think it was necessarily motivation. I don't know what it was exactly that allowed them to not show up. But as you just heard on 97.5, the Fanatic down in Philly, that was about as easy as the 76ers could have ever hoped for going on the road in a game five. And now they have the chance to clinch it at home. The Boston Celtics, these these are not your 2022 Boston Celtics. Not, not at all. And it felt like there was a little bit of a hangover from game four, the way it ended, bleeding into game five. You would just think that it would be a different energy level when you're going back home to TD Garden as opposed to playing the last two games on the road, but it wasn't. As a matter of fact, I would say that they regressed. And the part that's most alarming is that it happened on the defensive end. They just didn't seem like they were dialed in. And then the opportunities that they did get with turnovers and, and, and stops, they weren't able to capitalize on them. But looking at the Philadelphia 76ers, kudos to them. Because nobody had it on the bingo card that they were going to win going away. So much so that with four minutes left in the fourth quarter, you had people walking out of TD Garden. The fans were never in that game. And that just shows you that the Philadelphia Sixers came in there with a different mentality. And as you like to say, they beat the Celtics pillar to post. That was an absolute embarrassment. They went into Boston and embarrassed a team that had championship aspirations in Pivotal Game 5. And I think that speaks to the leadership in that Sixers locker room and to the turnaround that Doc Rivers has been able to have with this group. Well, a couple of things. The best thing to ever happen to Doc Rivers was Joe Missoula. <laughs> I mean, let's be fair. That's fair. Joe Missoula has made Doc Rivers look like Greg Popovich in this series. And secondly, Canty, I was ready after game four, or even during the fourth quarter of game four, to jump all over Joel Embiid. Yeah. When he was having all kinds of trouble with Al Horford, when he looked completely unsure of himself, but then he put it behind him, and he made plays in overtime, and last night, Joel Embiid just took control. And you and I were both marveling at the play of the game when he turns the ball over and he runs down the floor with an incredible block, this tells you, that kind of play tells you that Joel Embiid is going to be a, a big-time, not just player, but leader. That was LeBron 
in that moment. That's exactly what that was. No doubt about it. It's just the effort, right? Because you're talking about the team at that point being up by 15 points. It was 89 to 104, and it's five and a half minutes left to go in the game. He turns it over on the wing when he's going one-on-one with Al Horford. Jalen Brown picks it up, races down the court, thinks he's got a clear path to a layup, and Embiid comes out of nowhere and swats it away. It, it, I mean, they're just showing it on E+. It's an amazing basketball play. And I remember watching the broadcast, Reggie Miller said it in real time, that's championship effort. Yep. And that's where you got to give credit to JoJo for being able to set the tone. But you kind of knew it was going to be that kind of game with the first bucket that was scored by the Sixers, right? Where JoJo pulls up for that three on the wing and he gets the shooter's bounce. You knew it was going to go the Sixers' way. It was really, really impressive. But I will say this. One of the, and I don't even know if you can call it under the radar because he's had two 40-point games in this series and we've only played five ball games. but I think an underrated aspect of what's changed with the Sixers and what's going to allow them to contend at a championship level is the version of James Harden that they're getting this year as opposed to what they saw last year. And it's about time that we start changing the narrative on James Harden's career. And even though it wasn't a huge scoring night for him, he controlled the complexion of the game. I mean, the numbers won't jump out at you in the box score, 17, 10, and 8. But in terms of him controlling the tempo, making sure that he dictated to the defense, getting good looks for himself and for his teammates, I don't think we give James Harden enough credit. And one of the things that Doc Rivers said early on in this series is that James Harden is going to have to start taking more of these mid-range jump shots, at least be a threat to do so. To me, that has changed how the Boston Celtics have to defend the pick and roll, which has created a lot of other opportunities for other players. Because James Harden is willing to take that mid-range jumper right around the free throw line, right around the elbow, or take it, a little, take it in a little further right in front of the restricted area and throw that little floater, because he's willing to do that, the defender on the pick man now in the high pick and roll can't leave and go back yeah. to his defensive coverage, Let's- which creates that Open shot for Joel Embiid right there at the free throw line. And big fella, it felt like it was on a loop last night. It felt like we kept seeing JoJo take that shot all the time. Why? Because of the threat of James Harden taking and making that mid-range jump shot. Doc Rivers said that was an adjustment that Harden needed to make. And because he's made it, it now makes it next to impossible to defend that high pick and roll between Harden and Embiid. Well, it goes back to what Harden said last week, and he's a little bit annoyed of well, wait a minute, you guys tell me to go win, I have to change my game, and then when I do, you say I can't do it anymore. Well, this is exactly what he's talking about. Here's Embiid, by the way, on going up 3-2. I don't care. I honestly don't care. We still got to get one more win. That's all I'm thinking about right now. Uh, and then, obviously, you're going home, so you're going to have a lot of you know, energy, the crowd. I would imagine everybody plays better at home, too. I do play better at home. What we did tonight, easier said than done, but got to do it again. I'm excited for it. Yeah, and he he should be focused on that next game because as much as we say that Joe Missoula has helped out Doc Rivers, Doc, in the situation of being able to clinch a series, is 17-31 and 31 all time. 31 losses in those situations. That is the most of any coach ever. <laughs> As you would what, imagine. What, what could go wrong? <laughs> Doc Rivers team well, up 3-2 in a best of seven. What could go wrong? <laughs> Chris, let's talk about Joe Missoula for a second. Yeah. This is a major problem. Ooh. And I, I don't understand why the Celtics felt the need that at the All-Star break, okay, you're our guy because you had a great first half of the season and then it kind of fell apart when you are a team with championship aspirations. No, 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 no. You leave your options open. 
You don't know how this guy's going to handle the playoffs. Case in point, what's going on here? I, I don't know if it's more about Missoula just so heavily focused on the offense that the Celtics do not defend anywhere near at the level that they did last year. I think that's a big part of it, but he is a big reason why I do not have the faith that I would have had based off of this Celtics team in this exact situation last year against the Milwaukee Bucks that they could come back and win like they did last year. I don't see that. No, I don't see that either. And what's telling is what Marcus Smart said late last week when he was talking about the offense and how it seemed disorganized. Yeah. And, and then you, you, you hear that and you, you look at what happened at the end of game four where you don't get a shot off at the end of overtime to at least give you a shot to tie or win the game. To me, that is an indictment on the head coach. To have a timeout in your pocket at the end of game four in overtime and not use it, not get a set play coming out of a timeout, not be able to get one of your two best players the final shot, to me, that, that, that is, that's poor coaching. And beyond that, as a player, it's frustrating when your coach doesn't have the answers for you in those situations. Let's remind people of what Marcus Smart said last week. He said this to Jay King of The Athletic on May 3rd. Celtics offense relies heavily on what Missoula calls, quote, randomness. As Smart described the system, the team has a couple of plays with all sorts of reads off those actions. Everything only works if players operate on the same page. Literally, Smart said, the majority of the offense is random. Never before was that more clear than it wasn't the end of game four, because it's up to the player to make the right read and it looked like Jason Tatum was in paralysis caused by analysis. In no, no doubt about it. And I substituted disorganized for randomness, but it feels like that's what Marcus Smart is alluding to. Yeah. And I guess my point is this. When guys don't know exactly what the coach wants in every single situation, there creates that air of uncertainty, and uncertainty slows you down. And in a situation at the end of the game where you got 15 seconds left, you can't afford to play slow. But that's exactly what we saw, and that's what it seems like continuously happens to the Boston Celtics when they're in that half-court offense. Something about that has to change if they're going to get back in this series. But, big fella, I I just don't know. When players lose confidence in what the coach is selling, it's hard to play with the effort, intensity, and enthusiasm that it takes to win at this time of year. Jay Will spoke to that this morning on Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max. I really feel like Joe Mazzula has lost the locker room. It feels like Joe Mazzula is in over his head. And I'm going to tell you something. What have we seen throughout the course of these playoffs that we talk about daily? We talk about your Lakers. We talk about the Golden State Warriors. That chess match that we see between Darvin Ham and Steve Kerr. Okay, like let me change up strategies. You're seeing counter after counter after counter. Where's the counters with Joe Mazzulla? It's a great question. No, well, Joe Mazzulla was, was talking about that after their game two win. Remember that? Mm-hmm. He was saying, oh, people talking about it. How about, how about that? How about talk about the adjustments that we made? Yep. Well, where the hell are those adjustments now? Didn't see a lot of adjustments from game four to game five. And as a matter of fact, it looks like your offense has regressed. And Charles Barkley talked about this a little bit this week. He says the Boston Celtics have turned into a three-point jump-shooting offense. You ain't going to win championships by solely being that and playing no defense. It ain't going to work. And that's exactly where we're at right now, which, which is why they're struggling. Zooming out big picture, big fella, across all sports, all players want is for their head coach to give them the answers to the test. 
They want to feel like when they're going out on the court or when they're going out on the field, they are taking an open book test. You know how confident you used to feel when you were in school taking an open book test? All the answers were right there in front of you. <laughs> and I know how awful I used to feel when I had no idea what but, the but, answers but, to the but test were. But that's what too. players want. They, <laughs> want. they want all the answers so they can go out there and play fast. When players don't have confidence that their coach has the answers for them yeah. in said situations, then it's hard to play fast. And I think that's where the Boston Celtics are at right now. Good players can't overcome bad coaching. And I don't know whether or not Joe Mazzula is a good coach or a bad coach, but what we've seen in this series, by and large, from the Boston Celtics, has been bad coaching. He's an inexperienced coach who has looked in over his head. How much, how much of that would you attribute the pressure of being in the playoffs for the first time as the head guy? I want to give him a little bit of slack and say yes, but, I mean, we're at game six now coming up. But like, here, what am I, when he, am I supposed to – when are you used to it at that point? But, but here's, here's the thing. You juxtapose that versus what we saw from Eme. It was his first year last year, and he took his team to – the same team to the finals. Took the same team to the finals. Starting Stronger starts at AutoZone, where they've got battery solutions in the form of free battery testing, free battery charging, and replacement batteries that fit your needs. That That is what makes them America's number one battery destination. Get in the zone, AutoZone. We are just getting started. Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Round out your protection with life, phone, and pet health insurance. Up next is one of sports' great dynasties about to end tonight. One of our experts believes so, and you will hear from him in just moments. Canty and Carlin, in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. And as a result, the Sixers now have a chance to wrap it up at home in six. That's 97.5, the Fanatic. We talked to Nick Friedel, ESPN NBA reporter, in 30 seconds. What if a quarterback completed four out of five of his passes or a point guard hit four out of five shots behind the arc? Well, now, when you're hiring, 
you can play at that level because four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. ZipRecruiter's matching technology identifies people with the right skills and experience and invites them to apply for your job. Try ZipRecruiter for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. You okay? I was right on the doorstep of sneezing. Okay. It was right there. And I, here's the I thing. Was, I was just wondering, because I know you were the slow reader in class yeah. as a kid. I was just wondering Not if, the you, brightest were, if you were having one of those moments. No, but <laughs> as I am reading this copy, just to take you behind the scenes for a second, there are times when I can talk myself out of a sneeze. And I was mentally trying to talk myself out of the sneeze. And I was really okay. unsuccessful. Okay. As it got to that point. So you just went with a long, awkward pause. Well, I didn't really have a choice. It could have been either. I'm sorry, Mr. Perfect. Let's stop making it awkward and bring our guest in. Nick Friedel's here. Hey, the more awkward, the better. Let's go, baby. I love it. I love talking out of a sneeze. I've never heard that. I, I have done it before. Wow. Where I have mentally been able to, I can feel it coming. And I can talk myself out of it. I didn't really do it right there because it was about to happen and it just didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Have you never had a sneeze where coming where you have been mid on air? No. Uh, and I mean, knock on whatever yeah. I can, but uh, I, I, know it's, I, all right, I, I know it's coming now. <laughs> <laughs> and so when I sneeze next time on SportsCenter. Oh, absolutely. I, Chris Carlin. I looked at you go. Shout out, right? We will, we will play that back to no end. <laughs> Uh, let's start with last night. We were just talking about Joe Missoula. Is Joe Missoula, in fact, the best thing that ever happened to Doc Rivers? Yeah, it's great for him. I mean, <laughs> Doc has got to be sitting there going, okay. And especially after last night, that is a team that doesn't look like they have the focus they need. And that has happened in game one. It happened at the end of game four. And now last night, guys, when you don't have the type of focus at a, in a home playoff game, in a game five where you need to take control, the players take blame, certainly. But that's on the staff to get guys ready, to get them regrouped. Doc's got to be sitting there going, oh, okay, everything's setting up for me now against my old team. They're going to have pressure on them in Philly. But they proved to themselves in that moment, the Sixers did, that they can do it. Now they have to follow it up. Nick, with the lackluster performance last night and the gaffe at the end of overtime in Game 4 and coming off of the comments that Marcus Smart made last week about the randomness of the offense, just gauge the confidence level that the players for the Boston Celtics have in Joe Missoula this time of year. He is going through a learning curve right now, Chris, that I don't think anybody could have seen coming in the regular season because they were rolling so well. Yeah. But there is no question. The one thing being around that Celtics team last season, it was, hey, these guys all believe in Ime Udoka. And that was his first year as a head coach, too. Exactly. But it didn't feel like there were these huge gaps in between of, all right, what team's going to show up? Or are they going to be ready to – to really turn things on when they need to. They believed in Ime all the way. I'm not saying they don't believe in Missoula, because I think it's clear that they do on some level. It's just that Ime seems to be at a different level in his own development than Missoula is in the moment. But I'd say all that and saying, I still think the Celtics can win game six, go back home, and finish it. They've been through that before. It just doesn't feel the same way this time because they're going against a team with the MVP and with Harden and Maxi playing 
like they are right now, the Sixers have the confidence they need to close this thing out. Talking with ESPN NBA reporter Nick Friedle on Greeny. And Nick, today is also a big day for the Boston Celtics because the NBA is going to announce the all-NBA teams. And we know that everybody's waiting to see whether Jalen Brown lands on one of those teams, making him eligible for the Supermax. How does this all play out in terms of the Celtics' ability to be able to retain Jalen Brown long-term? They need to go to him and say, Jalen, do you really want to be here? Do you want to be that 1A to Jason Tatum? Because we started to see those quotes in the Ringer guys from that article about six mm-hmm. weeks ago when Jalen Brown was like, eh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know if I feel the same because it seemed like he was still upset that he was in those rumors going back to the KD potential deal last summer. If he wants all the money and he wants to be in that tier in Boston where he is a face of the team but not the face – then they'll find a way to make it work. And I certainly don't think, even if the Celtics go and lose game six to Philly, that it's all over for this Boston team. When you have young stars that are that talented in place, you can find a way to rework the rest of the roster. But Chris, if he wants all the money and he wants the prestige of being the guy, he's going to have to go elsewhere. And only time will tell because you can get the money in Boston, but it's always going to be Tatum's team no matter what. Nick Friedel, ESPN NBA reporter. What's the biggest reason the Knicks are in this 3-1 hole? The Heat are beating the Knicks at their own game. Hello. Mm-hmm. That's all this, this is. We came into the series, guys, and it was the Knicks are tough. Well, guess who's a little bit tougher? Miami. Well, the Knicks play hard. I guess who plays a little bit harder? Miami. Oh, well, the Knicks are, are really physical. Well, guess who's a little more physical when they need to be? Miami. On top of all of that, they've got Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. And the Knicks don't have that guy. It's why they were going so hard after Donovan Mitchell a year ago. Jalen Brunson fits. That works, guys. It makes sense. Randall has not been there the way they need him to be. He's been hurt. I think he's still hurt, in fairness to him. But he's just, for whatever reason, we've seen it now twice in the postseason. The regular season, he's great. The postseason hits and something happens because it happened the same way in that Hawks series a couple years ago. This team has met its match because they could use, oh, well, you're going to the Garden. All these other teams are going to get swayed. Cleveland just got annihilated mentally by walking into the atmosphere in the Garden. Miami was like, hey, we got this. We we got Jimmy. (laughs) So they have – Stared some team in the eye that they just can't look down. I don't think it ends tonight. I I would still take the Knicks because I believe in Brunson. I think he'll carry them across tonight. But I say this to somebody who thought the Knicks were going to make easy work out of this Miami team because Tibbs knows Jimmy so well. No, 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 no. The Heat will find a way so long as he's healthy to push through. Assuming the inevitable happens, which is Miami closing out the Knicks at some point over the next few days, what does this mean for Julius Randle in terms of the Knicks spinning it forward? Because we know Leon Rose has accumulated this Trevor treasure trove of draft picks. It's clear that they don't have that guy that's close to Jimmy Butler's level. They don't have a bona fide superstar outside of uh, – and Jalen Brunson has been good, but he's not a superstar. They don't have that guy. So what does it mean for Julius Randle and the Knicks in their pursuit to improve this team from where they're at right now? Chris, I think the only person who's safe in that whole – group right now is Brunson because Brunson fits so well not only with Tibbs but the style and 
in New York and, and playing on that stage. If you're Randall or anybody else, you're sitting there going, all right, what could happen? But we all see what this is. The Knicks don't have that top-tier guy that they can rely on. Toughness can only get you so far. I say this as somebody who watched all those Tibbs teams in Chicago after yep. Derrick Rose got hurt. He will make the best out of any situation in the regular season. He will get everything he can out of a group. But the postseason hits, and that's where your stars have to show up. Brunson is really good. Randall still, at times, is really good. But they don't have that game changer they need. So as far as a trade, all those draft picks, anything's possible. But I would think the Knicks are at the top of the line of being that team that is waiting for that star to magically appear and say, I don't like it on my team. I want to go somewhere else. They've got the pieces to make that deal happen now. Nick Ferdell, ESPN NBA reporter. There's probably not a reporter over the last seven to eight years that has spent more time around Kevin Durant than you have. When you look at the Phoenix Suns right now, is it fixable beyond this year? It it is because Kevin is that talented, and Mm -hmm. Chris, he's still at such an incredibly high level when he is healthy. That is a huge part of this, though. Can he stay healthy as he continues to get older? It seems like every year he's missing a month or two with some kind of injury. I think the Suns can still fix it, but they are several pieces off right now. Because when you look at that roster, you say, I know exactly what I'm getting from Kevin Durant. I know exactly what I'm getting from Devin Booker. Ugh, what happens after yeah. that? Aiton is a mess right now. I mean, Jokic is Totally dominating him. Mm, mm, he mm. has not been close to the level that they expected. And after he signed that contract, you know, what do you do? So I would think he would be a guy that they would look to move elsewhere if this thing doesn't work and they get closed out here by Denver. But then, guys, everybody looks at Chris Paul. Chris Paul is going to the Hall of Fame. But this is not uh, the Chris Paul from even three or four years yeah. ago. He's just not there. So there's a lot of work to be done. But if you have Kevin and you have Booker, who's still coming into his prime, I wouldn't say the book is closed yet, even though the expectations were really high. And I thought that the Suns could at least get to the finals this year. I don't think that'll happen anymore. So, Nick, let's actually talk about a team that has a real chance of winning the championship this year, the L.A. Lakers. I knew it. Yeah, I knew it was coming. Let's get there tonight. How does Darvin Ham handle the minutes with A.D. and LeBron in this game? you got to play to win, period. Chris, you've been in a lot more locker rooms than I have, but what I've seen in that role that I've watched for 15 years covering the league is coaches have players and teams ready to play, and the second they take their foot off the gas, whether it's in the regular season or in the playoffs, there's a mindset change that happens. I would not run that risk at all. You play tonight – to knock out the champs. Mm. And if that means playing LeBron and AD 40 minutes, so be it. Because you are giving yourself the best opportunity to finish off a team that is a, a very, very proud team. and a, a team Very dangerous team, yeah. At, at a, at, Chris, there you go. The They're last dangerous. thing you want to do is give Clay some momentum. Get Draymond chirping going into back to L.A. and feeling like, all right, we've got the confidence. I, I think – if you don't play this to win and you take your foot off, what you do is you put even more pressure on yourselves if you're the Lakers going into game six. Can you imagine if they don't, they lose tonight, but then they don't close out in L.A.? 
Oh, my gosh. I mean, the whole world will say, well, they're not beating Steph at home. So you play to win. And if you win, great. And if you lose, hey, you got game six at home, and you can still find a way. But I don't buy any of the talk of, ah, uh, well, let's, let's wait to see how the game unfolds. This is a game you play like it's game seven, and you hope that you can keep going. Nick, last one for me. If the Warriors lose this series, is it over? Is the dynasty over? This iteration is. There's a chance. Define that. that. There's a chance that Draymond could be gone. There's a chance that Bob Myers, who is the architect of these teams, could be gone. Jordan Poole, guys, that's, that is a much Oof. longer Oof. conversation. But I would think there's a chance this summer that he could be gone. But I am not buying that the Warriors on the whole are done because Steph is still Steph. And he's playing at a level right now that I think is the very best of his career. If you have that player on your team, you can never say, oh, well, we're not going to win a title again. The guy's still 35. He still has a couple more years maybe at this level. But I don't think his decrease will be that astronomical over the next two or three years. The guy that worries me in all this is Clay Thompson. Because Clay is just not the same. Mm -hmm. He still has the ability to go off and go crazy but the difference in clay's game is the consistency every time you saw clay thompson play you went before the injuries oh man well if he's not giving you 30 defensively laterally he's all over the place that guy just is probably not coming back sadly that deal and what happens with him moving forward is a huge part to all this but i don't believe that this team will never, ever make it back because I believe in the power of Steph Curry. Well, uh, just speaking for myself, I can't wait for you to sneeze on camera. No. I'm really looking forward to that because I'm going to know that somewhere I am in that cabeza. Mis- misery <laughs> loves company. I'm going to have snot all down my shirt and just wave. I don't, I don't want to see that. I don't want It'll it to be, be messy. Great. I just want it to happen. That's all. Maybe It'll you'll talk good. yourself out of it. Thanks. Uh, I'll remember. <laughs> I'm not going to sneeze, not going to sneeze. Think about something else. That's what you do. Just start thinking about something else. Canty and Carlin in for Grinny on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. The NFL schedule release is tomorrow. Who will be the hottest teams heading into next year's playoffs? Greeny, the podcast. You know what I can't stand? Nuno, the former producer of this show, now uh, producer of Keyshawn, J. Well, and Max, who lost over 100 pounds, and credit to him, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. But Canty, because he was once fat, he still believes he can make fun of me as a fat person and get away with it. And I say, no, sir. No. If the first number is not a two in your weight anymore, you are no longer fat. And you have relinquished the right to make uh, to make fun of fat people. I would agree with that. Nuno is here to either defend himself or attack you once again. What say you, Nuno? If that's the rules, are you making the rules? No, like, this, society makes these rules. Nuno makes these rules. I I don't make these rules. So if you're telling me that now because I've you know lost a lot of weight and I'm under a certain number, I can't make fun of you. I'll. 
No, because, then you're, because now you're a skinny person making fun of a fat person, making you a rabid anti-fatite. <laughs> and you can't lean on the idea of, I was once one of you, so I can make fun of you. No, 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 no. You gave that up when you decided to go to a nutritionist and be all healthy. No, that's gone. But if you see the, and I've, obviously in radio you can't see it, but Pat's holding a a before yes. I feel like if going from that to what I look like now I feel like I still allows me to make it, it to make fun of not make fun of you but to take shots at you because it's also motivation for me not to go back no, oh no, my no, god no, no, that's no, worse no, 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 that is that's worse. the worst that's thing worse. you're telling me that's is, worse Nuno no question about that I need to make fun of you to make myself feel better that's exactly don't we all did. do that oh well yeah <laughs> Let's just look at that picture some more. That picture is unbelievable. Uh, it, it is, but Nuno, I mean, we're like we're we're up to almost two years, are we now? Uh, since the, you were uh, the whole journey, us? almost yeah. That was that, that was actually over three. three years. That was three years ago at our our buddy Jeff Darlington's uh, Super Bowl party in Miami before the world stopped. Yeah, that was that's where that was from. When did you start losing the weight? Uh the October of 2020. So two and a half years. When did you stop finger pointing? Yeah. Another great question. <laughs> exactly. I, I think you, listen, you are now two and a half years into this thing. I'm, I'm sorry. It's over. You can't do it anymore. Bubba, if it's not 200 pounds, is there a time limit on it where he has to make a decision by? I mean, I think you get like, you get a one month, you know, you get one month yeah. of being the new skinny person. Then you got to move on. Yeah. You know, you, you, you had enough. All right. It's a long month. Yeah. You can you can it have one month, month, you can make fun of everyone you want, but then you got to move on. Apparently it's leap year and I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Carlin, I will keep making fun of you. Thank you. Yeah, everybody who believes that, stand on your head. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app, we're in for Greeny today, Series 6M, Channel 80. couple of the international games, the international schedule, in fact, has come out, and a couple of the holiday games have come out as well in the NFL. International, we've got... Jaguars back-to-back weeks over in England. We've got them taking on the Falcons and the Bills in week four and five, the Ravens-Titans week six, uh, the Dolphins-Chiefs in Frankfurt weeks uh, nine. Dolphins-Chiefs, they don't even give Tyreek Hill a chance to go back to Kansas City. And then Colts-Patriots in Frankfurt week 10. I'm sure Belichick will be thrilled to go overseas for that game. (laughs) But as we know, the schedule release is coming tomorrow night. Yesterday... Canty gave us the top five teams that he would want to not face in the first half of the season. Yes. Here now, the green list of the top five teams that he does not want to see in the second half of the season. The list is what determines who matters in this business. The green list. Number five. The Buffalo Bills, big fella. Everybody's going to pay attention to what the Bills did early on in the draft with the two players, Osiris Torrance, the guard, and Dalton Kincaid, the tight end, to help Josh Allen. But I'm looking at the defensive side of the ball. People forget that even though this defense was second in scoring or points allowed, they were decimated by injury. Both safeties, Tredavious White was dealing with injuries. Von Miller had the ACL at the end of the season. All of those guys are going to be healthy once we get to the second half of this upcoming year. And with that defense returning whole and the pieces they add, Buffalo is going to be rolling once we get to December football. Number four. The 49ers is self-explanatory. Brock Purdy is dealing with the UCL injury he had surgery for. We don't know that he's going to be ready for the start of the season, but we're assuming if he comes back at some point in the first eight or nine games, he'll be rolling by the time we get to the second half. 
Number three. The, the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, Kansas City is breaking in two new tackles. Remember, Orlando Brown Jr. left. They signed Donovan Smith in free agency. And at right tackle, they're going to be working with uh, John, Jawan Taylor. Taylor. So they're going to have to figure out what's going on with that offensive line, build that chemistry. Once they do, look out. Number two. Cincinnati Bengals, it's like they're breaking in two new offensive linemen because they're moving left tackle Jonah Williams to right tackle because Orlando Brown Jr. is going to step in and play left. Once they get that chemistry along that front, that offense is going to be all kinds of dynamic. Number one. The New York Jets. Wow. Aaron Rodgers, Nathaniel Hackett, teaching the young guys the offense is going to be a work in progress during the first half of that season, but that defense is going to give them enough runway to figure it out. By the time we get to December football, that is going to be a dangerous team. Ooh. No what, do you think about, what do you think about the list? No Eagles on this list. No Eagles on this list. Listen, they lost both of their coordinators, man. That's a big deal. They got a lot of young guys that they're going to be throwing into prominent roles on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Remember, no C.J. No Gardner-Johnson. They lost T.J. Edwards in free agency. You're talking about a lot. Javon Hargrave in free agency. You're talking about losing impact players on all three levels of your defense, along with your defensive coordinator. I mean, there's a reason why Howie Roseman went out and drafted all those Georgia Bulldogs. They're going to need those guys to step up and play. I'll give you the team that I, I think could be very dangerous in the second half of the year, and that's the Carolina Panthers. Mm. Uh, with their defense as good as it is already, uh, they have added Miles Sanders to go with Bryce Young. I still think they have enough to be a better team in the second half of the year, and they may be one of those teams kind of similar to the Lions this past year where they're not going to be a playoff team, but they're going to be one you don't want to face late in the year. Well, here's the thing. You're talking about them being in the NFC South. I mean, Maybe they will be a playoff team. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about winning that division. That's, that's like me walking into a kindergarten class and pounding my chest because I'm the tallest person in the room. <laughs> like that, that's essentially the bar to clear. It's very low in that division. So, yeah, I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility that they could win the division. Think about it. In week 17 – this team was a fourth-quarter collapse away from beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and winning the division last year and being in the playoffs. So I think they have the most talented quarterback in the division, and when you have the most talented quarterback in the division, you're always going to have a shot. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. We are in for Greeny. You can watch Greeny on the ESPN app. Just click Watch, at look for Greeny, and enjoy. Lakers got to slam the door. That's next. for listening to Greeny the podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcasts.